0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This friendly Mother's Day reminder is brought to you by 1-800-Flowers.com. Mother's Day is this Sunday. You don't have time to put this off any longer. Head to 1-800-Flowers.com right now. 1-800-Flowers has amazing deals on last-minute Mother's Day gifts. From bouquets to sweet surprises, mom deserves the best. Order your gift from 1-800-Flowers before time runs out. To order today, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ACAST. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash ACAST. Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books. And cats. 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 Hey book lovers. So I am super excited. My son is not super into reading. Um, He's definitely more of a video game kid. And he has been reading The Hobbit in school. And I was so excited because at first he did not like it at all. It is very wordy and it takes a while to get into it and he does not have the patience. But I kept telling him to keep going and he ended up listening to the audiobook, which I think helped a lot. And he got totally sucked into the story. I was... Super excited because I love The Hobbit. I love Lord of the Rings. I'm always down to talk about Tolkien. And it had a drastic effect on his writing. He's been writing stories. And one thing that he wasn't really putting into his work was description of any kind. And while I do think you can overdo description, you do need some description. And he just started writing these new stories. And they are so vastly different from what he used to write. And he even said that it was influenced by The Hobbit and by Tolkien's writing. So thank you, Tolkien. That's amazing. (laughs) I think that Tolkien definitely had a similar effect on me. I definitely remember that my stories got more detailed, kind of overly so for a while. Um, And I also began toying with fantasy and magic in my writing. This was early on, probably, like, late middle school, early high school, and reading Tolkien changed the course of my writing. To me, reading is about escaping the everyday, the mundane, you know, leaving the place you're in and diving deep into another world. Why not make it fantastical? Of course, while I am currently writing Heart of the Storm, which is definitely fantasy, I have also begun a realistic story— It's definitely a challenge, but I am interested to see how I get out of issues without the use of magic. I'm a big fan of what they call in theater deus ex machina, where, you know, some sort of thing from the gods comes in and like, you know, wraps up the story for you. And I do feel that sometimes you can use magic and fantasy to kind of work around stuff like that, but I don't know. I guess I'm just at a point in my life where maybe I need a little less escapism, and maybe I'm ready to handle real life. Hopefully. I would hope I now I can. <laughs> so this week's book was a completely random pick for me. It's called Fight Like a Girl by Harley Reid, and it just kind of popped up on my Instagram. I think it came from an indie author hashtag. You can find some really great books out there if you look under indie author hashtags. And I also like the idea of supporting people that are working so hard to achieve their dreams. So this one's a romance novel, and it has been a very long time since I've read a romance. They always make me think of my grandma. Um, She wasn't exactly your stereotypical grandma. But anyway, I love romance novels. The covers are fantastic. This one's cover is super eye-catching. It's just abs and tattoos. And I liked the title. I practice um, taekwondo, and I have a love for MMA and fighting. So I was definitely intrigued by a romance that involved an MMA fighter. I've never read that before. But again, I also haven't read a romance novel in a very, very long time. They're so fun. They also make me think about vacation and the beach, because... They just kind of feel like a treat, like something special, a break from the usual, you know? And I love the general outline of a romance. I love happy endings, and let's be honest, since I know most of my audience is female, the sex scenes are fun. To me, romance novels kind of seem akin to a Lifetime and Hallmark movie mixed together in the best possible way. I really think they're fun, and I really enjoyed this one in particular. So now let's talk about Fight Like a Girl by Harley Reed. So first we have Mia. She is young and recently heartbroken. She's living on her sister's couch and watching The Notebook over and over and over again. Um, Side note, I've never actually seen The Notebook, but apparently it's the quintessential romance. I don't know. Tell me what you think. Anyway, she has decided she's going to try to get a job as a nanny which would give her her own place to live and she could get out of her sister's hair. The nanny job is for a little girl named Madison. She is the daughter of an MMA champion who is returning to the octagon after he took a break when his wife died. He is notorious for being a womanizer and also has a very imposing presence. His name is Ethan and he is ripped and tattooed and very dedicated to his sport and his daughter. The thing I love about this genre is that there's not a lot of preamble. Um, Their attraction is immediate, and the scene is set. There is some push and pull from outside people and relationships. Especially on Ethan's side, his team is definitely more interested in his return to the octagon, and they don't want him to have any distractions. Mia is definitely a distraction. (laughs) Things heat up very quickly. There's some turmoil... And then there's an unexpected twist that made me love this book even more. The ending was satisfying, though maybe a little quick, but it was a really enjoyable read. It was super fun. I'm definitely interested in reading more in this genre. It really feels like it's been upgraded so much since the last time I read one. So... I'm very excited to see what other great romance novels are out there. And if you love a good romance novel and you have suggestions, I would love them because honestly, I don't know where to begin. This was a great one by an indie author, and I highly recommend you check her out. Link to the book will be in the show description. And now it's time for a quick break. Welcome back, book lovers. All right, let's talk about cats now. I looked up a few more fun cat facts that I wanted to share with you. The first one is that cats spend up to a third of their waking hours on grooming. So my cat weird, my black kitty, he is super fluffy and (sighs) he has also started going outside. Now, I don't love this. I don't know if he can really handle being outside, but so far so good. But when he comes in in the morning, he is wet and dirty and just looks bedraggled. And he is generally like a really handsome cat. And then he spends all day grooming himself. So I think he's doing even more than a third of his waking hours. Um, He also got outside the other day and got into it with a skunk, which was not great. He did not get a direct hit, luckily, but he still smelled pretty bad. And my husband washed him with baking soda and Dawn and I don't remember. He said it went surprisingly well, which I was very shocked because Weird has very sharp claws and he's fairly aggressive when he's playing and stuff. But I feel like when he knows that you're trying to help him out, he isn't going to attack you because he did the same thing when I had to cut um, burdocks out of his tail. So I think like if he knows that he's going to benefit from what you're doing, he doesn't attack you as much. I was expecting Andy to be bloody by the time he was done. (laughs) Okay, so another cat fact. If your cat approaches you with a straight, almost vibrating tail, this means that she is extremely happy to see you. Now, I think this is hilarious because our old cat, Zeus, does this all the time. Like, he'll walk up next to you and just his whole butt is vibrating. I like to say that he's twerking. I think it's hilarious. Um... (laughs) But yeah, so that makes me super happy because I always assumed that that was, like, an excited, like, hey, I'm happy to see you thing. But it's nice to know that, like, it really is just that he's super excited to see you. That cat is such a ball of love. I, I don't know what to do with him. <laughs> Except love him. Um, anyway, when your cat sticks his butt in your face, he is doing so as a gesture of friendship. This is another one for weird. He is notorious for sticking his butt in your face. I thought he was just showing off his little fur pants because he's so fluffy, but apparently he's just trying to be your bud. (laughs) Uh, And finally, if your cat drapes its tail over another cat, your dog, or you, this is a symbol of friendship. So (laughs) I found this one hilarious, and this is another weird story. I'm obsessed with him, obviously. He's just a quirky cat. (laughs) Um, He loves our dog, and our dog is a 120-pound, like, gigantic big black dog, and Weird adores him. And he will hop up on his hind legs to rub against his face. When he's laying down, he'll, like, he drapes his entire body. It's not just his tail. He just rolls onto the dog's face, which the dog gets kind of irritated by, but he never really, like, moves. He just kind of grunts. It's super cute. And I kind of assumed it was a friendship thing because he just adores the dog and always has. It's so funny. What kind of weird, quirky things do your cats do? Send me a message, books.cats.pod, either at Gmail or on Instagram. So now it is time for the quote of the week. So this week's quote, I got just looking up um, quotes about reading and books. And it is from Carl Sagan, and it is, One glance at a book and you hear the voice of another person, perhaps someone dead for thousands of years. To read is to voyage through time. And I love that. I love that the written word lives on no matter how long ago the author died. I can't remember who said it, but there's also the quote, books are uniquely portable magic. And I've always loved that one. I'll have to look up who said that. I'll let you know. (laughs) So that is the end of this episode of M's Books and Cats podcast. Make sure to stick around after the music if you want to hear the next chapter of Heart of the Storm. It's getting so good, and I really love how it's turning out now. If you'd like to support the podcast, give me a review. Um, Wherever you listen to podcasts, it helps so much. And if you'd like to check out other episodes or merch or Books by Me or anything else to do with the show... Go to booksandcats.com. That's books, the letter N, cats.com. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading. Thanks for sticking around, book lovers. Now here's chapter 20 of Heart of the Storm. Francie sat on the edge of the fountain in a park near the Muscle House. She could just make out the neon sign through the thick gloom that blanketed the valley. Howls and shrieks and groans swirled in the clouds, but Francie ignored them. She feared nothing. Anything that tangled with Francie would regret it. She was waiting. Just waiting for a chance to unload her rage. She welcomed it. What had once been Maz skittered around the park, jumping from tree to tree and catching the random squirrel. Francie wrinkled her nose at the sound of tiny bones being crunched. She had done something wrong. The transition had not gone as planned. Francie sighed and snapped her fingers. The creature formerly known as Maz skittered to her side and nuzzled her hand. Francie scratched her fingers through the smooth mane of straight black hair. The hard exoskeleton trembled under her touch. Maz was never still. Energy vibrated under their smooth, silvery shell. Francie could only hope that when the time came, the energy would be turned against her foes. It was quite possible Maz would turn against her if given a chance. Another howl tore through the foggy night. Francie wondered if she would ever see daylight again. She found herself trying to remember how this park had looked on a sunny day and struggling to remember anything. She clicked her tongue and moved through the thick gloom. Maz followed close behind, leaving the path occasionally when they saw another misguided squirrel. The howls were moving to the east. Francie followed. She wasn't sure, but she assumed they were going to the warehouse. Thea would want to see the dark-hearted ones immediately. Francie didn't envy them. Mina would most likely suffer. She still couldn't bring herself to care. She had one purpose now. She passed by the muscle house, and the fog took on a vibrant purple hue. Her boots crunched through the broken glass of the front window. It was too dark to see far inside, but Francie glimpsed a dark shape in the shadows. Her heart pounded a little faster, and she quickened her steps. She wouldn't admit it even to herself, that she felt a pang of fear... When she first laid eyes on her Aunt Kiki. Gemma opened her eyes slowly. She sat up suddenly, and her head exploded with pain. She fell back onto the soft pillow of moss. A moment later, a cool hand laid across her brow, and a sudden feeling of peace enveloped her in a shimmering cloud. Gemma felt herself lifted into the air and cradled in strong arms. She smelled the cool air at the top of the mountains, and pine, and snow and she felt something she had never felt before. She felt safe. It wasn't entirely comfortable. Gemma wasn't sure how to accept this feeling, but her headache had receded. She felt renewed and revitalized. She opened her eyes and saw who held her. Gemma leapt from the woman's grip. Now that she wasn't moving, the woman was green and lithe and bore thin silver wings. Her eyes were dark green and flecked with gold and she watched Gemma silently. Her face was impassive, but her whole body was tense, ready to spring into action. "'Who are you?' Gemma asked. She cast her eyes around. "'Where's Harper?' The room was a brilliant shade of green. The walls seemed to be made from leaves, and Gemma was pretty sure they were slowly contracting and expanding, like the room was breathing." The woman remained seated on a plush sofa made from moss. Tiny white flowers dotted the moss and made a beautifully intricate pattern. The woman folded her slim hands in her lap and waited. Her patience was infuriating. "'Say something!' Gemma yelled. She leaned in close to the woman's face. Her anger was racing through her blood and she saw red. The woman raised her face to look Gemma in the eyes. She gently placed her hands on the younger woman's face and smiled. Hello, daughter. Gemma rocked back on her heels and pulled away from the woman's maternal touch. Her mind rejected it, but her heart was certain it was true. The woman nodded and rose to her feet. She took her daughter's hand and squeezed it once. I have waited for this, she said softly. Her voice was like a gentle breeze through the treetops. I'm sorry it could not have been sooner. Gemma fought the tears brimming in her eyes. She refused to let them fall. The woman kissed her cheek, and the tears fell anyway. Gemma crumpled into her mother's arms and cried. Kevo closed his eyes as they raced full speed at a tree trunk. At the last second, they jerked upward and raced to the top of the tree. Lizalt laughed wildly as he lowered Kevo onto the path of woven leaves. Kevo opened his eyes and tried to calm his racing heart. Lizalt laughed again and slapped him on the back. Other winged people were flitting around and casting wary glances in their direction. Lizalt waved to one that lingered. Hey there, he said warmly. Yep, that's right. He's here. The girls are too. He grinned as the understanding dawned on their faces. That's right, he said with an exaggerated bow to a pinch-faced woman with wide purple wings. The time has come. His face went grim and he grabbed Kevo under the arm and dragged him to his feet. The watching crowd parted as they moved into the leaves that rose into towers along the braided paths. Lazalt turned to the nearest tower and parted the leaves that served as a hidden door. He gestured for Kevo to enter. Come on, he said impatiently. The girls are waiting. Kevo's heart leapt into his throat and he stepped into the leaves, A moment later, he was plummeting through the darkness. Through the wind whistling past him, Kevo could hear Lizalt's laughter. Harper opened her eyes and groaned. The light was dim, green, and murky, but it still hurt her head. She turned her head to the side, wincing as another sharp pain pierced her temple. She was nestled in a large pile of leaves and flowers. They rested on a soft cushion of moss. Harper sat up slowly. She tried to keep the leaves from rustling too much. She was afraid to be found out, even though she had no reason for her fear. How are you? The soft voice surprised Harper, and she spun around too fast. A new wave of pain crashed over her, and she saw stars. When her vision cleared, a slight young man stood before her. He had pale green skin that was luminous in the dark green light of the forest. His eyes were the same color of new leaves, and his lashes were ridiculously long. "'Who are you?' Harper winced again. It hurt to speak. The young man smiled gently. "'I am called Leone. You may relax. You are safe here, Harper. "'You know my name?' Leone nodded gravely. "'Oh, yes. You are well known here. We've been waiting a long time for you, my queen.' Harper blinked and tried to stop the ringing in her head. She couldn't concentrate. Something the boy said seemed wrong, but she couldn't think. The ringing was growing louder. Leone moved closer and knelt in front of her. His smile widened, and he showed his teeth. They were numerous and needle-sharp. They shone in the glow coming from the young man's skin. It grew brighter as he moved closer to Harper, and she could feel him draining her energy. "'Stop it.' Harper's words were soft, but the effect rolled off her like a ripple and launched Leonie across the room. He landed in a heap in the corner and scampered out the door. She slipped off the bed, but as soon as her bare feet touched the smooth wooden plank, she crumpled to the ground. She clutched the bedding and saved her head from hitting the floor. Her legs were completely numb. Harper squirmed and dragged her body to a sitting position. She stared at her legs, but they looked the same as always. She poked them with her finger, tentatively at first, then increasingly more violent as her fear rose. She couldn't feel any of it. A gentle cough drew her attention to the doorway. A different, slight wood-dweller stood there. Not the one with the teeth. This one smiled kindly as they crossed the room. So you already know. Harper opened her mouth, but no words came out. She couldn't think of what to say. It's okay. I mean, sort of. You're alive, though. That's good. What? What? Harper's tongue felt swollen in her mouth. Her mouth was a desert. The young ones smiled again and reached across the bed. They handed Harper a glass of water. It was so cold it made her teeth ache. But she gulped it down until pain exploded at her temples from the icy coldness. I'm assuming you have a lot of questions. I have answers for you, but some of them must wait for now. My legs? Harper croaked. They nodded sadly. I'm afraid that's permanent. The trees affect people in different ways. I've never seen anything this violent, but some of the older dwellers have seen worse. Wait, Harper said, holding up a hand. Are you saying I can't walk? I'm sorry. They placed a hand on her knee. Harper couldn't feel their touch. They will become wooden over time, like the trees. Harper stared down at her now useless legs. Her tears dripped onto them, but she couldn't feel a thing. And that is the end of Chapter 20, Book Lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Heart of the Storm. I'm definitely still enjoying writing it. Make sure you check out Self-Care Saturday and then Storytime with M on Sunday, and then come back for more awesome books and cat stuff next Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, keep reading.